have to go back! everyone welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and today we are going on an adventure we are going to steal the microphone from the declaration of independence what does that even mean there is a hidden microphone on the back of the declaration of independence and i'm gonna steal it i'm gonna steal it uh we are reviewing the 2004 movie national treasure this movie i have seen it mm-hmm. uh but it's been long enough to the point in time where i'm like oh have i seen this i know de- i've definitely seen the sequel for sure um and but there are also several points in time watching this where i'm like wait when does Tom Hanks show up? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I get a lot of plot points of this mixed up with Da Vinci Code, even though I've seen both of them several times. I think part of that is this movie is so much like Dan Brown's Lost Symbol, which is mm. like Da Vinci Code for Masons and Americana and all that kind of thing. Um, I also get it mixed up with Tomb Raider, to be honest. Yeah. Because I think absolutely. ultimately they're they're all technically Tomb Raiders. So... Uh, yeah. They all just bundled together. But this yeah. one, this National Treasure has has a, a special place in my heart. And just to get you kicked off in case you need to dust off that artifact of this movie in your mind. Um, this movie is uh, it's basically Da Vinci Code meets Indiana Jones. Uh, it's, uh, it's Meets two the films. Patriot. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah. Uh, it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, and it was originally going to be a Touchstone film, but then became a Disney property when it got that coveted PG rating. Mm. Uh, and it stars America's national treasure, Nicolas Cage, uh, Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha, uh, who we last saw on the podcast in Geely, uh sean bean <laughs> and it was so good to see him alive in this movie um harvey keitel uh head the wolf went legit uh and john voigt refusing to go on yet another impossible mission and then becoming an enemy of the state that's right that's three movie references from john voigt um and um so many more people, but this movie uh, was really like a star-studded cast, and it I think it's something that really did a lot for Nicolas Cage's kind of re-resurgence, um, because, I mean, he kind of fell under the radar, like, leading role-wise, but he was still making a lot of movies. Uh, but this is kind of like the last, uh, one of the last big ventures that people uh, recognize Nicolas Cage as like an iconic, like... I mean, for lack of a better term, like not like a punchline kind of actor. Like uh, I, I remember there's a season where people saw Nicolas Cage as just like, oh, Nicolas Cage will just be in any movie just because he wants the money, regardless of if the movie's good or not. Um, and I remember I remember that only distantly after watching this movie because I'm like, oh, my gosh, Nicolas Cage was the national treasure. <laughs> It was him all along, Mr. National. Um, And uh, it was it was just a really great time to see him. I mean, this movie did really well uh, with a budget of one hundred million dollars. They heisted away three hundred and forty seven million dollars worldwide. And it beat out uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie 
on its opening day by two million dollars it also got uh critical acclaim uh well it won some awards or nominated for awards uh the saturn awards which we've talked about a lot which is science fiction fantasy uh, horror film uh they they were nominated for best action adventure thriller film and Diane Kruger got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And then they have a bunch of other ones, like uh, nominated for the, the Jupiter Awards, which I guess is just one step closer than the Saturn Awards. Uh, and Nick Cage more got rings, really. nominated. Yeah, more rings. Yeah, just bigger. Yeah. Uh, Best International uh, Actor uh, nominee for that. So uh, people really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not seeing any Razzies on here, and that's always uh, a good sign. It's a good sign. It really is. Yeah, I mean, and this movie really did uh, kind of pave the way for other movies like it. I mean, The Da Vinci Code, of course, uh, was already a very popular uh, book series. But two years later, they actually made the movie version of it. And, um, you know, I, I think that there there will always be a place for the uh, Indiana Jones type mystery um, hidden treasure hunting story like at any point in time, which is why I believe that they are still in talks of making a third national treasure like to this day. And um, I would love to see it because, I mean, it was it's just such a fun journey to go on. Yeah, I think it's the right time, too. If you contextualize this movie uh, when it came out, released in 2004, so it was only a couple years after 9-11 that production started. And so there was really this feeling of, you know, celebrating America and its culture and its history and really uniting. And uh, I think you're going to see a resurgence of that, Um with each individual country, really, as as we kind of rebuild. So it's, uh, yeah, it's the right time. And I, I mean, for me watching it, uh, I, I had all of those feelings mixed up in it. And it's just a great, you know, celebration, uh, ultimately, and uh, a cool mystery on top of that. Yeah. One of the things that I, I was kind of thinking about during the research is like, okay, wait, so this movie did like really well worldwide. I wonder if they would go through the trouble of, and I say trouble, I mean like go to the greatest lengths to edit this movie so that it is about each territory's actual national treasure. So it's not just American national treasure, but like, I was like, oh yeah, like on the back of this uh, statue in Tibet. Because uh, I assume I, yeah. Tibet has statues. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where Every places are. Every country has statues. Yeah. So on the back of this statue, there's actually this message. Mm. Um, and then I, I just think that that would be a really interesting, uh, real uh, ambitious edit of the movie. It's just like, okay, let's see like what Japan's national treasure is. And they just like really do... And it's, but still Nicolas Cage, like mm -hmm. that doesn't change, but everything else is just either dubbed or they add different inserts. Nope, that's what sequels are for. So Disney, Disney Plus, whoever's making the third one, if you want to make a lot of money off the same movie, might I suggest that? Oh, they're very good at that. Oh, yeah, they are. They are indeed. 
Uh, so you said that this is a, a very uh, near and dear property to your heart. So when was the first time that you actually watched National Treasure? I mean, I saw this in theaters, um, and my wife and I have rewatched it several times. Uh, we, we both love the movie, and so we have our seventh wedding anniversary coming up at the end of the month. Our original plan was to follow the National Treasure tour for our anniversary. Because uh, oh, nice. we, we live in D.C., so we're like, oh, we're like at the starting point, unless you can't Antarctica. Um, and so we're like, oh, yeah, we'll go here. We'll see the National Archives, we'll, and we'll follow the path, you know, uh, like going to Pennsylvania and New York and all that. And, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. But it was fun to, to rewatch this movie together. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those where we just – we are such a fan of the – really the genre and – um, the subject matter as well, uh, that which, it was just great jumping back into that world, which is our world. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, present day, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, I always love when movies do present day. I'm just like, oh, that's now. <laughs> so, How do they know? <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, look at that present day computer. Man, you convinced me. I'm never going to put present day in a film. <laughs> that are just going to, with the hubris of it, the arrogance to put present day. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so th- there are parts of this movie that I definitely don't remember, or maybe I've only seen like the last half of this movie. Uh, but I, the last half and then like all of the sequel, but I, I just remember that uh, like the, t- the movie became so infamous that they treated the line that Nicolas Cage iconically says, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence as basically the title drop of the movie. <laughs> like, like everyone said, like that became such a phrase that um, SNL used a lot mm-hmm. um, uh, when Andy Samberg did his Nicolas Cage impression. Um, like this role just became so synonymous with Nicolas Cage. That it kind of like usurped. I want his face off. Like, and, for, and to be so iconic to top that, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a great movie. Well, I think the reason that those stick in people's minds, though, is because Nick Cage, the reason that he is so yes. castable is he is the best in the business at articulating the premise of the film <laughs> through dialogue. Going to steal a declaration of independence. Going to take his face off. I mean, it, the only thing I could have told you, bees, the only, only in certain cuts, the only thing that would have uh, really, in the movie that I feel like he could have really shown is uh, Titanic. He should have been the one to deliver Iceberg Dead Ahead because then, I mean, these are like the great premise lines yeah. of, of cinema history. Absolutely. So what are you, some kind of godfather? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh. oh, and this has been Nick Cage saying things. Thank you for taking into that segment. Uh, so an interesting thing I found, and, and, I, and I'd love to confirm this with you, Grayson, because I know that we have a deep connection to very intricate uh, DVDs. Mm. Um, so they said that there is a hidden special features on the Region 2 DVD. Oh, of National Treasure. If you navigate to the logbook in the upper right corner of the main menu and press select to enter, then enter the code 405 and select the master code for a list of all the special features available. Some like that's how you access all the 
extra features. Otherwise, uh, you can't get to all of the features. <laughs> wow. It was just hidden. I had not heard that. That is... Uh... That that was someone's real. And they're still telling people about that at parties. Whoever did that, the yeah, DVD designer. Like, yeah, he just like go. He's just like at a party. He's just like, hey, you got a copy of National Treasure uh, Region Two DVD? I was like, uh, yeah. All right, let me just pop it in. He's like, okay. He's like, what? What? How'd you know that? <laughs> I did this. And then, meanwhile, the guacamole is being stolen. Mm-hmm. So he's the he's the bait and. Everything else is happening. Yeah, we're a Region One family, so. <laughs> so, well, I think another interesting thing about this movie um, that it does a really good job of is um, watching it like today. I realized how the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I recognize how important uh, the relationship between um, Nicolas Cage's character and um, John Voight, like father son and really healing a lot of generational shame and history i just thought that it was really cool how like right before they actually found the treasure they're like hey son it's okay we'll just we'll we'll pick up this hobby together and it'll be great and uh like that whole moment between the father and son i was like wow the real treasure is family which which leads me to why the real national treasure is Fast and Furious, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, there was an interesting line uh, that Nick Cage says to John Voight at one point where he says, uh, I guess that's the real legacy of the Gates family, sons disappointing their fathers. And you realize that, yeah, that this journey has probably alternated generation to generation. You have like a grandfather that's really invested in it, which kind of scares away the son when he sees it doesn't go anywhere. And then the son's son... You know, follows the grandfather's footsteps, uh, and so it, you can tell that this is something that is plagued. Even their their family name, he has to use an alias whenever he you know meets people because they're known for these kooky conspiracy theories. So there's a lot of personal baggage here, and I think they do a, a nice job at reminding the audience of that along the way. Of like, they're not working in anonymity. Like they right. they have already kind of burnt any goodwill that they had in the community uh and so it's stacked against them oh totally i mean it's it's really cool because like uh this movie i think uh because of its notoriety and how successful it was i think it can easily just be uh simplified or or what i like to call um air budded where you you hear the premise and you think it's just going to be just a silly movie about this one thing but like the movie Airbud and a lot of other Disney movies, like there is more to it. And part of the fun is the journey mm. and um, the story, or I guess the subtext that the characters are motivated by. Yeah, that's true. It does have a deceptively simple premise of like, you're telling me a dog can play basketball. <laughs> Just improve every movie by adding <laughs> Nick Cage to it. What's uh, this movie yeah. about? <laughs> Let me help you out. <laughs> Michael Jordan's going to play basketball against cartoon aliens. Bruce Willis doesn't know he's dead. Okay, it doesn't work for Shyamalan films. My general overall feel of this movie is that, like, Nick Cage is underrated, and this movie is really a treat. Grayson, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I just noticed there's there there's an encryption on my microphone. Oh, what what does it say? I, 
I, th- I here. Give me, give me a second. Let me just... Wow. It says, it says head cannon, Grayson. Head cannon. <laughs> Come and take it, edition. <laughs> Headcans is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So my, my biggest piece of headcanon really is that like this is all true. You know, I, I just <laughs> That's true. That is it's hard to do headcanon for this because this movie is headcanon for America. Right. So uh the, So yeah, so um there is a big Big national treasure just waiting <laughs> to be discovered. My headcanon uh, is, yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, this is based off of real things like Freemasons do exist. No, it isn't. Living in D.C., you do see the symbols in the movie, like, all over the place. And so, yeah, it's, <laughs> they don't all mean what, you know, movies say they mean. But uh, the stuff's out they? there. Or do they? Headcanon. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, that is that's all I could come up with. I'm just like, uh, am I how am I going to outdo National Treasure at National Treasure 2? We'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just so many things to present. I'm like, OK, I mean, that's feels like you guys thought about this. More than me. Yeah. Like, all right. All right. I'm going to I'm gonna let you do your I'm, thing. I'm, I'm going to bow out. OK. You know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Got it. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it, it was difficult. I, I only have a smattering of headcanon. Uh, I don't have a, a big long thread to pull from on this one, but uh, I, my headcanon started with Exposition Grandpa, um, played by Christopher Plummer. Um, yes. And my, my headcanon was that that is actually the old version of Captain Von Trapp uh, from Sound of Music, that he has escaped the ah. Nazis. Uh, he has set up shop in America, and um, in, in a way that... That you know, coming from a different nation, it totally doesn't work with the, uh, <laughs> the exposition. But I was like, "What if?" Um, uh, I also uh, I enjoy the headcanon uh, that they say several times going into the third act that if there's only two doors, you know, Harvey Keitel does the whole speech about two doors, both of them end with you going to prison. So I was like, "Oh, is this a is this a prequel to Con Air?" Um, <laughs> It's not, but what if it was? Uh, what if it was? And then my last, uh, you know, small piece of headcanon here, uh, and this this one might be legitimate, and I feel like the that the writers may have done this intentionally, but uh, there was one last name that really stuck out because it is also my last name, and that is uh, Sean Bean's character is Ian Howe, and uh, this has been a a misconception people have had with my last name and me for a while. They ask if I'm related to William Howe, who was uh, an, an officer in the, the British Army during the Revolutionary War. Nope, my last name just got this way because of a misspelling from another Irish name. But for Ian Howe, um, it is uh, very possible that he is a descendant from that British uh, you know, official. So... Uh, I mean, the fact that he himself is British is a pretty good indication of that as well. And I appreciate the the theme of that then, I guess, because it is kind of extrapolating that original conflict, uh, which really isn't like the conflict that they talk about in this. It's more about the Crusades and, and, and all that and the, the Knights Templar. But having that you know thread through it just ties it back into 
all of the history that is cooked into this movie. So, um, yeah, my, my headcanon then is that he's a descendant, um, that Ian Howe is a descendant from, from William Howe. So, yeah, that's, nice. that's all the headcanon I have in my pocket. I mean, based off that, Grayson, you are more than qualified to write the script for National Treasure 3 and my book. Thank you. Thank you. And that book is the Book of Secrets. Yeah. Uh, And and you actually reminded me, another really just fun fact about this movie is that the good guys in the movie use Google and the bad guys (laughs) use Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. It's also one of the few movies that Sean Bean makes it all the way through. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is... You know, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Still going yeah. after treasure that doesn't belong mm-hmm. to him, but you know, good right. for him. Good for him. He just wanted just one ring, just I think just one. One does not simply steal the <laughs> Declaration of Independence. There it is. That's the bumper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. R- r- recast, r- r- remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Um, I honestly think that um, if if we were to pull from another movie cast, um, I would honestly go with the uh, the X Men First Class series mm. of people, um, just because I think there there are just a lot of um, really strong archetypes in there. Um, I mean, you know, I think James McAvoy would be a great. Uh, I want James McAvoy, but I want him to do his best Nicolas Cage impression. Like that's that's the only way I would allow. He would nail it. He really would. He would do. I think he would be great. And then um, uh, Michael Fassbender um, taking on the role of um, or taking Sean Bean's place. Um, Justin Bartha, you know what? He gets to stay. Um, <laughs> Gonna get that banshee just, kid in here. Uh, from and get then out. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, to uh, for Abigail replace, Chase. Uh, yeah, mm. Abigail Chase, which what a great last name. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I'll let Banshee. No, I, the guy who plays Beast, Nicholas Hout, as um, as Riley, um, and I, I think he'd do really well. For mine, I only did the recast on Nick Cage, um, which is you know it's a tall order because he is the franchise at this point. Is it Andy Serkis with deep fake technology to make his face Nick Cage? Got it. Got it in one. Uh, <laughs> no, and when I say it, it's just going to click into place. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah. done. But done. I was very conflicted going into my remake because I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, where's my National Treasure 3? And we've done you know a series pretty recently that I think could coincide with this one, and that is Speed. Uh, and I think Speed 3 in National Treasure 3 <laughs> needs to be a crossover trilogy. Um, but because of that, they would need to be trying to find some kind of vehicle. I mean, we've done it with speed. Vehicle. We've done for both these actors. Uh, we've done land. We've done uh, sea. I think we need to go to uh, one of the most interesting sections of the U.S. government and our own history. We're going to space. The <laughs> final frontier. They're going to steal the lunar module and take it back to the moon. And they're going to really just put an end to all these conspiracy theories once and for all. Yeah. I I know we mentioned that we want Speed to just be canonically in the Fast and the Furious universe. Mm-hmm. 
I now want Speed to be inside the Fast and Furious universe, and I want Fast and Furious universe to be inside the National Treasure universe. Yes. And then it just ends up in, like, the most Avenger-level, just, like, see where they say, we're going to steal the moon. And they just have just the, a super tricked-out space shuttle. And just a just a giant chain, they just somehow just steal for no real reason other than like let's do it, let's just see what we can do. That's all I want. That's all I want. I mean, I think <sighs> an extension of that too is I would really love to see an Expendables style uh, franchise that has Robert Langdon, Lara Croft, Indiana Jones, Brendan Fraser, and <laughs> Nick Cage, like all of them uh, going after like the ultimate treasure. And yes. I think they could even use uh, a, ti- a title that I think was a great second take title for this movie. It comes from a line Nick Cage says where he says, we're more like treasure protectors. And I was like, oh, treasure protectors. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what this would be. Your treasure protectors. I absolutely love it. Uh, I also think, I mean, like if we deviate from all of this A plus material, cannot express enough how much I want these things to legitimately happen. <laughs> um, I honestly think that this could make a solid um, animated series. Mm, yeah. Um, educational where, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like PBS Kids, like kicks off a national treasure where, um, you know, it is. Uh, equal parts um, adventure and education, an ed education, if you will, <laughs> or eduventure. Circle with a C, T M. Circle with an R. That logo is going to look so messed up. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be busy. <laughs> Legitimately, though, for a third movie, I would love to see because in the second one, it, it's based on the assassination of Lincoln. Um, they end up going to England for part of it, and and so I for the third one, you always got to go bigger, you know, you got to escalate mm-hmm. it. I think something with Mount Rushmore would be pretty interesting, oh, uh, yeah. or, or Statue of Liberty, but like some huge, huge thing like that. Uh, I mean, how are you going to steal it? I don't know. If they're fighting David Copperfield, I guess, but uh, <laughs> like how? I, I don't know. That those are just the, like the images I had of like, yeah, it's basically a mountain. Uh, it's a monument yeah. mountain. Like, how do you protect it if someone wants to blow it up? Like, that kind of thing. And uh, and now I'm on a watch list. Great, great. Um, <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that I, I feel like for the third movie, they could tackle pretty well. Yeah. No, I think that would be solid. All right. Now we're going to go to our final segment where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the 2004 first installment of the National Treasure series. I would recommend National Treasure because it really does, you know, inspire people to look a little deeper into American history, um, separate fact from fiction. But there are a lot of interesting characters and, you know, just interesting events in history that are are worth you know, digging into. And, and I, I think that yeah, we may not have a super long history as a country compared to a lot of um, other countries, but. Um, there are, there's this intrigue behind what we have, especially the way we started and, and kind of the, the four founders and these larger than life figures, uh, literally, if you look at Mount Rushmore, these larger than life figures that kind of started everything. And so I think that 
the desire to build a mythology around all of that is uh, is very understandable. And so I recommend it because it digs deep on that in, in a fun way. And I, I think like from a movie perspective, if this inspired even one kid to be more interested in history, then it's well worth the production cost. Um, inspire them to, to create their own stories, to learn more about, about their own histories. Like that's the kind of thing that this, this kind of movie can do. You think about how many people became tangentially aware or even decided to make uh, archaeology a career because of Indiana Jones. Uh, it's, it's Indiana Jones for American history. And so that, that's a fun space to be in. And I think there's a lot uh, that you can dig into. Uh, you're seeing a resurgence of it too, but like Hamilton, where we want to create these entertainment stories around uh, our, our own uh, history. And so... Uh, this movie you know, was one of the, the earlier ones to do that. It wasn't trying to, t it wasn't like 1776 where they were like, we're going to recreate an event you know, as a musical, but like recreate of it or anything like that. It kind of built on the pieces that were already there and created something completely new. Um, and it's just exciting. Like the dual heist scene, I thought was really fun to see two heists happening at the same time and knowing that they're just going to collide with each other. It also moves at a really great pace. It's a long movie. It's, it's two hours, 11 minutes, but it moves at a good pace because every act is a different city. It, it's almost like a uh, oh, Last of Us type feel where you really are like progressing through uh, this part of the country. Uh, in search of more answers. And uh, it's kind of said as a negative by John Voigt through it, but like, oh, another clue gets you to another clue and another clue. But that's just really connected writing. And so you go on this journey and it, it's really, you know, high action, fast paced, fun. Um, and these, uh, these characters that could have remained pretty flat um, in their delivery are heightened through these great actors. And uh, I, I just, I love rewatching this movie. I'm so glad we picked it. And uh, ultimately this movie is a story about belief. It's about a guy who, you know, believes that this journey he's on is real and uh, he pursues it even when everyone else tells him that he's wrong. And so I think there's something refreshing about that too. Um, he pushes himself to the point of really having to ask himself, has he been fooling himself this whole time? And to have a story where that kind of belief is ultimately rewarded, I think is rewarding for the audience as well. So that's why I, I recommend National Treasure. Excellent. Well said, Grayson. You took all the good words. So <laughs> I guess I'll say, um, uh, exact, I mean, really want to echo what you said about Hamilton. Like, honestly, not since Hamilton have... I've been this intrigued about actual American history uh, because I, I think I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Um, I wasn't a big fan of history. I'm just like, okay, I get it. it been happened. there, done that. <laughs> um, but I think having kind of like a hook to make you kind of curious about it, like with Hamilton, I'm just like, wait a second, this is based off of what? And so like, I'm going back and like doing like, I'm, I'm going on like a several page, like, journey on wikipedia trying to figure out like what actually happened and what events were they singing about i'm like okay this is why this mattered and oh wow these people were actually this age and so like the same thing happened when it was national treasure i'm like oh okay so like i'm like as much as i'm looking up 
history about this movie, I'm looking up history about like the signing of the Declaration of Independence and how like there is actually something written on the back of the Declaration of Independence and it is that signing, but it's because it was most likely rolled up um, and filed away like a like a scroll basically that they actually wrote down the date of it and that's why it's upside down because mm. it's actually written upside down um and i just did that research because of this movie and so any movie that gets you curious about um its real world counterpart i think does a really good job uh, not only just for um you know telling a great compelling story but giving the audience uh, some curiosity to explore something that they otherwise probably found not really that interesting. That's a pretty special thing. And that is our review of the 2004 movie National Treasure. Let us know what you remember about National Treasure on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean like... A, a treasure trove of treasures to us if you could leave us a rating and review on uh, your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to five declarations. Mm, mm. Just declarations. Like, would you declare it a one star, a two, a three, a four, or a five? Five being the highest. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Well, um, since we are all watching probably a lot of movies now, mm. I decided to upgrade my video package and call a guy. Oh, yeah? Who'd you call? I called the 1996 movie The Cable Guy. Oh, I thought it was that guy that used to work for Verizon but now works for Sprint. Uh, no, he's dead to it's me. It's messy.